Well, good morning. And uh, welcome to the service this morning. It is a true joy when God's people gather together as Christian community to worship Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I invite you to hear these words from the book of Ephesians as a call to worship. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. To God be the glory in his church and in this world. Uh, today we continue uh, the sermon series, the summer sermon series on the book of Ephesians. And it has been a couple weeks uh, since uh, we have looked into the book of Ephesians. Uh, you will recall a few weeks ago, Pastor Matthew spoke on the first half of this chapter, and he spoke all about God's riches of grace in Christ Jesus. And now today we look at the second half of Ephesians chapter 1, and so the theme of the sermon, shall I say the theme of the service, is graceful praying. Graceful praying. Uh, now, before we continue on in our worship, I was asked to uh, just announce a few uh, items of note of uh, the church and Christian community. Uh, and many of these were on the screen before the service. Uh, Andy Pasek will be preaching at uh, tonight's outdoor service. Uh, next Sunday morning, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And uh, remember that this Wednesday at 7 p.m. is our, our special uh, summer Nights series, which is a great time of, of all ages in the church fellowship to gather together. And uh, lastly, um, as you already noticed, uh, social distancing in the sanctuary has been removed from the front part of the sanctuary, uh, but still exists in the wings. As, uh, in the wings. And uh, we are still encouraging masks for those who feel more comfortable with them. And so uh, now I invite you to stand to receive God's greeting. People of God, we have gathered together, and it is important for us to take note and remember that we gather in the presence of God. And so receive this greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Let's lift our voices in worship to our God.
praise our holy God, we become aware of our lack of holiness, our understanding that it is only by God's grace that we can come before a holy God and praise him. And so now we come to a time of uh, confession in our service, and uh, hear these words as a call to confession. Our Lord Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. As God has instructed us in these commandments, and because we have not lived in full obedience to him, let us now confess our sins to God trusting in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Eternal God, we thank you for creating us to live in in covenant, in relationship with you. And in your absolute purity and holiness, we are so thankful for this gift of confession, for prayer. We we repent for when desire for selfish gain reduces our love for you. We repent for when we put ourselves first and end up hurting others with our words and our actions. We repent when our efforts toward my will be done overshadow thy will be done. We trust in the saving work of Jesus. Please forgive us, O God. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I like to tell my students, when you sin... I hope you feel guilty, but when you confess, I hope that you release that guilt and live in the freedom that God offers us through Jesus. And so hear these words of pardon. People of God, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen? Amen. Um, At this time, we're going to dismiss the children to uh, Children's Church, and uh, as the kids go off to their time, ages three to kindergarten, and as the kids go off to their time, I invite you to stand as we sing a beautiful hymn of grace, God of grace and God of glory, uh, verses one, two, and four. Let's stand as we sing.
Uh, before the reading of God's word, let's bow for prayer. Almighty God, please give us open ears, receptive minds, and humble hearts to receive your word. Speak to us, O oh God, we pray. Amen. The scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 15 to 23. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God's word for us today. So I uh, begin with a question for you. Guess what I have? Online people, can we focus in on this? Now this is, this is a, a real genuine $100 bill and uh, curious if anyone would like this $100 bill. Only my wife raises her hand. <laughs> that was not planned. That's kind of, okay, thank you. So I'm a teacher. If I did this in class, every, every hand would go up. Now, friends, uh, let's say somebody over here uh, said, oh, yes, I would like it. Let's say I walk down there, and I'm about to hand the $100 bill to the person who raised their hand, and then off to my left, I notice someone sleeping during my sermon already. I'm like, what? So I walk over to that person, tap him on the shoulder, wake up. He wakes up, and then I say, you know what? I'm going to give you the $100. And they look at me like I was sleeping during your sermon. And then the person who was awake raising their hand like, what, what is this? Come on, that's not fair. Friends, if I gave that $100 bill to the person that was sleeping, what would that be? Oh, my. That would be sheer grace. And do you know what? In our sin, we are not paying attention to Almighty God. As our guest preacher said last week in a way that I had never heard before, and I thought I need to use that in a sermon at least once, he said, we are all bozos on the bus. Do you remember that if you were here? Like, Who says that? Well, he said it. God's sheer grace. Now, the first half of Ephesians chapter 1 that 
Pastor Matthew preached on a few weeks ago, he emphasized this point about God's grace. God's grace is that we are adopted by God the Father, redeemed by the saving work of Jesus Christ, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. One other illustration before I move on. I want to talk about middle school and high school students for a moment. I know something that's true about you, middle school and high school students, and I'm not being a prophet, I just know this. It is that what's really important to you is the group that you are in, meaning who are my friends. Really important. Now, I agree that that's important, but you know what's even more important? What's even more important is that the God of the universe, the eternal almighty God, knows you by name, and in Jesus Christ declares that you are adopted, redeemed, and sealed. Now, why do I start the message with money and friends? The reason is this. The stuff of real life has to do with money and friends. And too often when we come to the Bible, especially these theological passages about God's grace, we have a tendency to reduce them to mere things that we need to know and say we believe. But friends, this message about God's grace is the stuff of everyday living. It is real life. And today as we look to God's word, we're going to look at grace full praying. And it is even more real about the stuff of real life than money or friends is. So let's turn our attention to the text and graceful prayer. The first point that we see here is prayer and priorities. Uh, it begins with, for this reason. Now, for those of you who were here for Pastor Matthew's sermon last time on the first half of Ephesians 1, I have a little question for you. Don't answer it out loud, but you can put up your finger number if you know. Okay? How many sentences was Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14? Do you remember how many sentences it was? People, yes, it was one sentence. Paul gives this massive theological grace-filled treatise that is this one sentence, and then he comes here, and it's almost like he takes a breath. For this reason. <sighs> and do you know what he does? He writes one more sentence. Nine verses in our Bible, one more sentence, power-packed with, with grace-filled prayer. And the first point here is prayer and Priorities, prayer and priorities. Question, what do you need in life? Now, not right now in church. I know you'll give me a nice spiritual answer. What if I popped in on you Wednesday, early afternoon, and I asked you, what do you need in life today? You probably would have some answers. And do you know what? Those answers would be good. The Bible is filled with these times in life where we have great needs and we just call out to God, right? The book of Psalms is all about that. Uh, I need protection. Oh, Lord, help me. Provision. 
I have this need in my life right now. God help me. But now as we think of this Ephesians 1 prayer today, I would like you to think about your daily rhythm of prayer. Now my point here is not that you have to say this Ephesians 1 prayer every day. My point is that we allow this prayer to guide us, to mentor us as we learn about when God looks at our life, what needs does he see? So right off the bat, I keep asking, I keep asking, meaning this is a prayer that continues day by day by day. It's not a one-time thing. I keep asking, and then we hear that once again, like in the first part of Ephesians 1, there is this triune nature of God that comes in. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why do we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Simply this, to know God more. To know God more. On our own, we are not seeking God's face with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our being. And so we pray for God's spirit to wisely reveal that the greatest need in our life, not to knock all of our other needs, but the greatest need is to know God more. Think about this. When the children of Israel left Egypt, what was their need? It was to get to the promised land. But God in his sovereign wisdom did not lead them to the promised land first. Where did he lead them? To Mount Sinai. Why to Mount Sinai? Because they needed to know God and I pray that this morning, the beautiful truth of this message, that even now the Holy Spirit might begin working in you, that, oh, I want to know God more, or I want to want to know God more. I can't on my own. And I pray for God's beautiful, gracious work in me, so that with all of my heart, I want to know God more. Now, from wanting to know God more, Paul continues with some other needs uh, that we have that we need to pray for. Uh, hope, eternal riches, and power. It says, or the prayer goes on, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know hope, eternal riches, and power. Hope, hope. Whatever situation you're in, you know it will get better. This is hope. But it is not some mindless optimism with no basis. The basis is Almighty God. It is hope. Uh, an interesting study that was done among high school students that struggled with anxiety and depression. People working with those students realized that if they could get the students to understand that in this fog of anxiety and depression, that it was only a passing phase and they were not stuck in this for the rest of their life. If they could get it, that it was just, just a passing phase and they weren't stuck and that they would get out of it, what is that doing? It's instilling hope. The students that got that hope 
What happened to them? They healed faster. When we live with an enduring, abiding hope in God, it's not just a theological truth. It changes our life and our perspective in the moment, whatever we are going through. Hope. Then the prayer is for the glorious inheritance in the saints. Do you know what this is? This is God's retirement account for you. Did you know you have an awesome retirement account? I mean, I, I hope you do here on earth. Okay, this is good. It's fine. But that account, eh, that up and down, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. I don't know. God is saying your retirement account is secure in me. And the point isn't that you have a lot of money in heaven. Oh, a lot of money. What is it? It's something much better. It is a perfect body. No more sickness, crying, and pain, and death. It is perfect holiness. It is perfect community and relationships. And it is perfectly knowing God. And knowing that the retirement account is secure is going to bless you in the present. And then the other need is uh, God's power. We pray for God's power. Have you ever felt weak in your journey? Of course. We all have. What does the Bible say a little later on in Philippians? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's power is real. It's not just something that we say we believe. It's an actual power of God's spirit within us that affects us, that changes us. It is real for our weak lives. What a blessing, and we pray for God's power within us. So, prayer priorities. I would encourage you, in your daily rhythm of prayer, first and foremost, Lord God, strengthen me by your Spirit so that I may know you more. What a blessing it is to know God more. And then may I live in hope, secure that my retirement account is fine. What does this do? It gives us peace and contentment in the now. And we pray for God's power. Now, interestingly, in this passage, first we have the pri uh, prayer and priorities, and then Paul lingers a bit on this idea of power. So we're now going to look at prayer and power. Prayer and power. His incomparably great power for who? For me, myself, and I? No, for us, for us who believe. Of course, you as an individual matters to God, but God has not saved you into a little personal salvation. God has saved us into the body of Christ. And so this prayer for power, sure, it's for us on our journey, but it's for all of us as the body of Christ, as the church. And we need to keep that in mind as uh, we hear what Paul has to say about, uh, about power. Now, how does he describe this power? He describes it as incomparably great and mighty strength. But he doesn't leave it at that. How, how do you describe incomparably great and mighty strength? He says 
it is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and seated him at God's right hand. It is literally the power of the resurrection and the ascension that is, that is available to us. And so I want to just briefly tell you two ways in which this power is available to us. First off, simply, it is the power of God's grace in our lives. It is the very rich blessings of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, let's give an illustration. Since next week is Father's Day, hint, hint, okay. Since next week is Father's Day, I'll use a dad as an illustration here, okay? Let's say a dad is at Home Depot and uh, has to get something, you know, for the Saturday chores here. And he has two kids, Freddie and Susie, ages three and four. So they go through the store, they get their stuff, they go to the checkout, and these little kids then look up, and there's a whole rack of candy at the checkout counter. And they're like, Daddy, can we have some candy? And a Daddy, in his, his wisdom, for reasons he knows, he says, no, not now. I mean, maybe later, but no, you can't. And these little kids, their eyes are glued on the candy. And at that moment, their dad is mean. They are like complaining and stomping their feet and frustrated and like, Daddy, why can't we have the candy? It's right here. You have the money. They get all mad. Now, what's happening in that situation? The kids are so focused on what they don't have that they're ignoring the bigger picture. They're ignoring the fact that they're standing next to the man that loves them more than any other guy on planet Earth. They're standing next to the guy that provides for them, that wants to, to, to build into their lives, that will do anything to protect them. But at the moment, they do not see that. All they see is what they want but can't have. Friends, there are times in life, to be honest, that we are like Freddie and Susie, that three and four-year-old. We're focused on something that is bad, and we neglect to remember the riches poured out upon us, God's grace in Jesus Christ. Think about this. Almighty God through Jesus, given grace. If you understand that, what does that mean? That means your perspective changes, your desires change, your goals change. The power of God in your life through his grace. What does that mean? That means wherever you are, almighty God is with you. Almighty God will strengthen you in your journey at that moment, and it also means that Almighty God will work through you in his power to bless other people, to bless people in the church, to bless people in this world. This is the power of God's grace in you. Now, another thing is just answers to prayer, God's power. This summer, Pastor Matthew in the evening services is going to take a look at the church of Ephesus in the book of Acts. And when you read that, there were amazing, crazy miracles that happened in Ephesus. I mean, mind-blowing. Who could think of this? 
And so when the Ephesians are reading this, in their minds, they're probably thinking, oh, wow, do you remember when the Apostle Paul was here last? Do you remember what happened? Unbelievable. God's power working in his church. Now, what's the problem when we think about this? Very often, Christians go to the extremes. On one extreme, we have Christians that it seems like the whole focus on spirituality is on miracles, it is on the supernatural, and if no miracles are happening, then you have bad faith. Get your act together because all these miracles must happen. Then you have the other side that says, well, sure, okay, I believe God can do a miracle. However, I'll pray, but I don't expect something will happen. It's just the way it is. So, which side? Which side? Actually, in the middle is good, isn't it? When Jesus came, did Jesus bring God's kingdom? Yes and amen. Is God's kingdom fully here? No. It will both be fully here when Jesus returns. When Jesus came, did he conquer sin and death? Yes and amen. Do we still have sin and death in our world today? We do. It will not fully be resolved until Jesus comes again and the new heavens and the new earth. And so what are we doing? We're living in what perhaps you have heard before, the already, not yet, kingdom of God. How does this relate to the point that I'm making? It relates in this way. We believe in the power of God through prayer. We expect God to do amazing things in our lives, in our families, in his church. And at the same time, will God answer every prayer that we pray? No. And so in those cases, we trust in God's sovereign wisdom because we are living in the already not yet kingdom of God, God's power. Prayer and power. The passage concludes with prayer and the person, and this is Jesus, Jesus who rules over all, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. You know, you ask some people, who is Jesus? And some people respond, he is a, he is a, he's a wise rabbi from Israel that lived long ago, and uh, actually he said some good things. And these people often will, will pick and choose from the Gospels, what they like about Jesus. Ah, wise, wise, wise rabbi. Some people will say, uh, well, he was, uh, he was the founder of a major world monotheistic religion called Christianity. Well, yes, Jesus was a wise, wise rabbi. Yes, he's the founder of Christianity. But what does Paul say? Jesus is ascended, exalted over all. Jesus rules over all, and one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about power in the world, if you ask the ancient Romans, uh, they would say, well, power is in the Roman Empire, right? If you ask us today, where is the power? Interestingly, as we meet who else is meeting in the world? It is the G7 summit. Could you imagine being in the room where the leaders of the seven wealthiest democracies in the world are meeting? Talk about power. 
We often think of major corporations, nowadays tech corporations, that have their fingers that go out throughout the world and have massive amounts of influence. As I work with high school and middle school students, I think about the power of celebrity status in our world, social media, YouTube stars that have millions of followers. I have a question for you. Friends, what has spread in this world? What has spread throughout this world regardless of nation, language, or ethnic group? And the answer is not McDonald's. Do you know what has spread throughout this world? It's kind of quiet. People don't look at it as the, as the power broker in the world. It is the body of Christ, the church. Think about it. When Paul wrote this, he wrote, Jesus is Lord over all. He is power over all. Now, 2,000 years later, we see this even more, how the church has spread across this planet. The gospel of Jesus Christ has spread, and where the gospel spreads, the church is planted and it grows. And humbly, we are a part of the body of Christ. Jesus, our Lord, who rules over all. Why do you have confidence in your prayer? It is because our Lord and Savior, Jesus, rules and reigns over all. Now, the Apostle Paul concludes with a very short phrase, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, you've noticed my points uh, this morning. I was really into the letter P. Did you catch that? Do you like the alliteration? Yes? Okay. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I couldn't believe it. Okay, I did not know this. In, in my study on this passage, I came to verse 23, and you're not going to believe, the Apostle Paul alliterates with the letter P in this phrase. That's kind of, come on, give me a little. That's kind of cool. So obviously in the Greek language, it is the letter pi, okay? So in this very short phrase, intentionally, the Apostle Paul uses this poetic device of alliteration using the, the, the letter pi to add punch to his point. So how does he conclude, friends, in this very short phrase, it is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And just to let you know, the word fullness fills everything and every all start with the letter pi. Okay, that's how, the, that's how, it, how it works. What is, Paul's, what is Paul's exclamation point to this passage as he wraps up this massive, massive sentence? His exclamation point is, Jesus Christ is supreme, and the glory of his body, the church, is to represent Jesus Christ in this world. This power that we have of the Holy Spirit is not just for our individual little well-being, although it does give us well-being. It is a much grander purpose that Jesus is over all, and he has established his church, his body in this world, to represent Jesus Christ to this world. Amen? Amen. So we are going to uh, conclude the sermon with prayer, and it's going to happen this way. 
uh, the congregational prayer is going to be split into two. Uh, we're going to sing just one verse of Lord, listen to your children praying. And uh, remain seated, and then I will pray. And then in the middle of the prayer, we're going to sing that refrain one more time, Lord, listen to your children praying. And as we sing together, I'm inviting you to be a part of the congregational prayer. So, so let's go to our Lord in prayer first by song. O God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may you give us as individuals and as the church the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. O God, we pray that you would shape and mold our desires after you. We pray that in the coming week, month, and year ahead, that we would seek your face like never before. We thank you, O God, that you have made yourself knowable. And may this be the great need upon our heart, to know you more. We pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us. Oh God, when we feel trapped in the difficulties and trials of life, please remind us again that you are a sovereign God and fill us with that hope knowing that things will get better because you are a God who is supreme and in control. We pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Please give us, God, eyes to see life as you see life. Help us to see that our light and momentary troubles will lead us to the new heavens and the new earth where all will be made right again. We thank you for that precious promise. And we pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know your incomparably great power for us who believe. In this coming week, O oh God, may we walk in the power of your grace given us through Jesus Christ. May we pray in faith, believing and expecting that you will answer our prayers, and also trusting that in your sovereign wisdom, you are guiding us in your way. O oh Lord, 
listen to your children praying. We sing together. Mighty God, we pray for blessing on the churches in Elmhurst and the surrounding area. We thank you that we are a part of the broader church of Jesus Christ, and we do pray for the churches in our area that you would use them to do your kingdom work, to be built up as strong in the body of Christ, and to be salt and light in this world. We pray, Lord, for blessing on Faith Church. We thank you for this congregation and that we as a congregation are the apple of your eye. We pray, O oh God, that you would provide for the needs of the church moving forward. We pray for wisdom for the leadership. We pray, Lord, for, for a peace and a contentment because the hope of this church is in you. Oh God, we pray, O oh Lord, for blessing on summer ministries. We pray for blessing in those beginning to think about planning ministries for the fall. We are thankful for the, the opportunity the cadets had this weekend for their trip, and we pray for blessing in the conclusion of their trip and, and travel mercies as they return home. We pray, Lord, for those here today in the sanctuary, listening online, for those who are struggling, for those who feel weak, for those who do not know how they can face tomorrow. And know oh God, as a church body, we, we just cover them in prayer. And we pray for an extra measure of grace and for your power to be in their lives. Bless them, O oh God, with your love, your joy, and your peace. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. Amen. What a beautiful uh, uh, prayer time. And uh, the joining in with the song, uh, what a rich time we had. Uh, so uh, I was involved in planning the service, and I'll be honest with you, I picked one of my all-time favorite hymns as our closing hymn. And uh, throughout my life, I've, this hymn has, uh, I just had it in uh, my life, and uh, what a beautiful hymn of worship and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to stand and, and conf confess our commitment to Jesus uh, with the verses of my Jesus, I love you. Let's stand as we sing.
church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you go out into the week ahead, walk in the hope that Jesus gives. And may you go with this blessing of God upon your life. Church of Jesus, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.